Hi, my name is Tara Kachaturoff, and I'm the host of Michigan Entrepreneur, where we feature businesses from startup to stellar. Today, I have as my special guest, Tom Borg, owner and founder of Tom Borg Consulting. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Tara. It's great to be here. All right. So today we're going to try something a little bit differently. Um, we are going to be focused on like a grab bag of questions that are really pertinent to people in small businesses and large businesses alike. But before we jump into those questions that are going to be from three different categories of questions, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Sure. So I'm a business consultant. I work with a lot of small and mid-sized businesses in the area of helping them with leadership, communication, and culture. So that's my real focus. All right. Well, today we're going to dive into, again, three different um, buckets of questions, and they're going to focus on customer service in today's business environment, um, attracting and retaining quality employees. And the third category is how to instill a positive attitude in your employees while living in a very negative world. Mm. So uh, <laughs> I think um, you can answer questions in all these areas. We're going to start with the first one, which is customer service. And extremely important. Um, what are two strategies you think are most effective when it comes to providing excellent customer service? Well, I think it starts with the internal workings of the organization. So the culture, you have to have a great culture within your organization because we do have two sets of customers. We've got the internal customers, those the, the people that work for us. And then we have our external customers. And, and it has been said by plenty of experts that if you don't have a happy internal customer team, they're not going to be doing a very good job of serving your external customers. So first, have that culture. Put that top of mind, create the right kind of culture, continually work on that. Second thing is have lots of communication with the people that work for you. And what I mean by that is to have discussions, find out what the company is doing right, what, what could it be doing better. Uh, get their opinions, get their suggestions. I think that's the key. So we're talking about communication with your internal team. That is going to be a major focus. Now, of course, you want to extend that back out to your external customers. Communicate with them on a regular basis. What is it that you're doing right? What is it that you should stop doing? Maybe some things you should start doing. So these are the ways you create and maintain a good customer service oriented environment. And what I like about what you said is what you're essentially doing is you're modeling the behavior you want, not only in the organization, but to flow outside the organization. We can't have like two different personalities and that schism between how we are in the company and how we are when we're communicating outside the company. So if you're not modeling it in the company, you typically, typically will see it um, manifesting in the customer service team because That's right. they only can, they only know what they know. And you got to educate them on what the uh, what the culture is. So very, very important. Um, the next thing I'd like to talk to you about is related to the same uh, topic is what are some three tips when it comes to delivering exceptional customer experiences? And I ask this in the backdrop of how I've witnessed for myself, as others who I know have witnessed, in the past couple of years, and especially this past year, um, of seeing kind of a decline in in customer service from companies across the board. Ones that we used to have great customer service from, we can't get a hold of them. Wait times are, you know, 30 minutes, an hour, even more. Um, when you get to the end of a phone tree, it hangs up on you after you've mm. cleared like 18 different, like, 
streams of, uh, you know, different uh, uh, trails that you followed. Um, things have definitely changed and it's not like it used to be. And I, I've had plenty of experience talking to dozens and dozens of companies in the past year and watching what's going on. And it's it's a little bit alarming. Uh, so I would love to hear from you some tips for delivering exceptional customer service. And they might be obvious, but we're not seeing them in the same way we used to see them. Right. Well, companies certainly are in under a lot more pressure than they've been in the past. We all know about the the shortage of uh, good talent uh, for the organizations. Uh, we know about supply chains that have been compromised. That been there's a lot of lots of challenges. It's a, certainly a a different environment than it was two or three years ago. So I think first place to start. First things first. Always like to talk about the four questions. We need to answer the four questions that our clients or customers have for us. If we can do that successfully, we're going to do a better job of serving them. So first. First question they have for us, they're not going to ask this question, but they have the question and we need to answer that question. First question is, do you do you like me? Do you like me? <laughs> Doesn't that sound simple? Uh, yeah, how do we show people that we like them? How we smile, we're happy when we see them or they're, when they're on the telephone, we're happy that they're there. Uh, so you have to show people in a genuine way that you do like them. Second question is, do you care about me? So how do you care about people? Well, certainly a good start is to have these surveys. There will be a survey after this phone call. Please answer them and give us your honest feedback. That's great. So you're getting some, some feedback there. But when you say care, do you go the extra mile for your, your customers? Do you uh, use their name for heaven's sakes in that conversation with them? You've got it right in front of you on your screen. Uh, so, <laughs> right? I mean, simple things. Uh, do you uh, really make them feel like they're, they're cared for? I, do you really have a, a warmth, warmth in your voice. So these are things that are basic. First two questions. Do you like me? Do you care about me? Is the second question. Third question is, can I trust you? Now that's a powerful question that needs to be answered. What, I'm, what do I mean by that? Do you do what you say you're going to do? You know, if the there's a problem with the product and you're going to get back with that person, make sure you get back with that person. Make sure you call them back in a timely manner. Uh, Give you a short example. I've got my car in a collision shop right now. I had a someone bumped into me a couple of weeks ago, and I, I called the uh, shop there after it was delivered. I had the tow truck take it over there, and I said, "We'll call you back as soon as we get things rolling here." Uh, great. Well, a week and a half went by. I didn't hear anything from them, so I called them and asked, "How is it going?" Said, well, it's it's in the shop. It's getting started now. We're we're so. Here's my question. Why didn't they call me like they said they were going to call me, right? So that's one little way of proving that you can be trusted is just do what you say you're going to do. If you're going to follow up with a phone call, make sure you follow up with that phone call. The last question we have to answer for our, our clients is, is that do we know what we're doing? And that's demonstrated by how well we perform what we're performing for them. Uh, is the product delivered on time? Is the product going to last? Any and all of these things. So do we really know what we're doing? That's something that, that is part of the four questions that our customers have for us every time we do business with them. So if we can answer those four questions, that's important. Yeah, I really like those um, questions because uh, I, I do actually see this um, 
being played out in one company I deal with extensively, which is Active Campaign. Mm -hmm. uh, you get on a chat with them, they ask you how your day is going. And nice. that's a good thing because you're usually like irate by the time you're on chat with somebody to find out about something going on with your mail uh, provider. Um, and it really kind of makes you slow down and stop. Mm -hmm. um, they're really good at following up. They will, um, they're kind and considerate. They're fast at what they do. Now, it's not all the time, but generally speaking, um, they are following these things and it really does make a difference in the experience that I have with them and others. So, mm -hmm. And there's a good point there. You don't have to be perfect. There's no company that's perfect, but just be on target more times than you're not and you're going to be ahead of the game. So you have to be constantly striving to do the very best you can and at the same time realize nobody's perfect, but that's all right. We can recover if we have enough of the, I call it the the, the, the uh, scale of life in a sense. So if you always have more good beans on the one side of the scale that tip it in your favor, in other words, positive experiences for that customer that they've had with your organization. If you have an, enough of those, more than the negative, you're going to be in better shape. So constantly be striving to, to, to do that. So that would be part of it. Go ahead. So if you could just, and as we wrap up this particular section, um, mm -hmm. if you could just give one piece of advice to a company about their uh, customer service, any aspect of it, what would you tell them? Be willing to go the extra mile. Don't stop at just doing the bare minimum. Go a little bit extra, do a little extra, you know, baker's dozen, line yap, whatever you want to call it. That would be my main suggestion here. I had somebody send me a bouquet of flowers as a, I'm sorry, we messed up your appointment and made you late. Um, so uh, that really stuck with me all these years. And that was like 30 years ago. So, wow. Yeah. Nice. All right, so we're gonna um, kind of wrap that section up. I would love mm -hmm. to talk just about customer service. It's such a big and broad area, but the next one I'd like to talk about a little bit is attracting and retaining quality employees. Uh, mm. We both know that this is a serious, serious problem. Um, the reports are coming out now. They're just, it's harder and harder to find people. Plus there's layoffs on top of it all. I mean, it's just like a whole uh, deluge of things going on in the employment mm. world. Um, so what right now, is the most important thing that you would say um, top thing when it comes to recruiting uh, potential employees right now? How are what's the key to finding and retaining that um, amazing employee? Because they're hard to find right now. Sure, sure, they're hard to find because uh, not because there's not good people out there. It's just there seems to be a shortage. Right, <laughs> I hear what you're saying. I had a client just ask me this the other day. And I, I told them the person you're looking for, they're looking for a new project manager for the organization. I said, that person already exists and they want to work for your company. They just don't know you exist and they're already employed someplace else. So what you need to do is to be able to locate that person so that they can come and work for your organization. Now, where, how do we make our company so much better than the company this person's already working at? Well, start with your own team first. Ask them, hey, what do you like about working here? What are we doing that's so cool that makes you want to come to work every day? And it's got to be more than the salary. You got to listen oh, between the lines. It's not absolutely. I mean, the money's great, but you know. Yeah, money's important, but it's not the top, not the top uh, priority for most people. Survey after survey has proven that. Now, the second thing we need to ask our internal employees: Hey, how can we make this place better? Really 
the type of place where other people would just love to come and work here. And we know there are plenty of examples out there of companies that are just like that. They're a great place to work. They provide great perks. It's a great culture. So what we need to do is get honest with our own team and say, hey, what is it we need to, to do better around here? When do we need to get better at? Okay, great. So once we know what we're doing right and what we need to get better at and, and let's make those improvements, that's what you want to communicate to potential candidates. Hey, here's a great place to work and here's why. And you don't have to tell them, let your employees do the talking. What I mean by that is I've seen this on different uh, websites. You go out there and you check out the website of this company and you have the employees. Employees are giving testimonials about how much they like working at that organization. That can be very convincing. It can be very convincing. So I think the key here is to be able to just go inside first, find out what you're doing right, what you need to get better at, and then get that word out to the people that are potential candidates and like I'm telling you, they're not going to be looking for you on Craigslist. They're going to be already <laughs> gainfully employed. Yeah. And uh, we need to be able to get that that communication, that message out to them where they can see it. And that means you also have to be where these folks are. I mean, if they're on Instagram, you better be out on Instagram. If you're mm -hmm. on Facebook, you better be doing it that way. Um, and I'm not really sure what people are doing in terms of like virtual um, meet and greets, but I know they're out there and some companies are actively taking part in that so that they can meet employees because a lot of people are still remote. So mm -hmm. um, got to do the far reaching things so you can even recruit nationally for Michigan. Absolutely. Well, another thing that's very popular, works very well, is check with your own employees first. Say, who do you know? Yeah. I mean, if you got good people, Good people know other good people. That's right. And who do you know? And not doesn't matter if they're working someplace else. Who do you know that would like to work at a place like you're working at? And I have a number of my clients, that's what they do on a regular basis. They get a steady stream. They're not hurting for employees. Okay. Get yeah. this very clear here. There's a lot of companies out there that are not hurting for top talent because they're doing the right things on a consistent basis to, to, to attract and retain those people. And but they also... They also okay. know, like, if you hire uh, friends of friends, um, they retain people, they have better retention for everybody because people don't want to leave organizations where they already have, like, solid um, relationships with people. So Absolutely. those friendships do make a difference. Absolutely. Um, it's not necessarily making a click, but it's it's keeping some really good people together because they want to work with their friends and or it's at crazy. least maybe you know, having something shared in common. We like people who are like ourselves and who work at the same organization. I mean, mm -hmm. it's creating yeah. a family, it's creating a family. That's what you're talking about. The work family. It is. So um, what about uh, some of the, th like when you had mentioned about um, asking people in your organization who they know, um, that brings up the thing about even, you know, compensating people and giving them those bonuses for bringing in a friend. Those things make a difference um, because they can get rewarded too. And I think you should reward people for bringing people in the door. It's expensive to hire people. It costs mm -hmm. thousands and thousands of dollars. Mm -hmm. So um, that's also a great thing you can do. Let me add a, an addition. I'll comment on to that. So one of my clients reported to me how they handle that. And that is they do give an incentive to their employees if they can uh, attract some of their friends to come work for their organization and here's how they do it they just don't pay them fifty dollars one time and that's it right what they do is they will pay them on a monthly basis for as long as that person is employed at that company 
other words, uh, when that person invites a friend to come to work, they come to work. As long as that friend stays at that company, that person who referred that person to the company, they will collect a monthly incentive. I love that. I love that. It's like an affiliate fee. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love mm -hmm. that for a subscription. I, I like that because it reminds you of what value you brought into that company. And mm -hmm. it also makes you kind of check in with your friend or friends and make sure everything's going well because you want them to stay and you want to help them. So I think there's just so many like unspoken things that are going to come around from doing that. That's brilliant. I have mm -hmm. not heard about that. That's great. Mm -hmm. wow. And now I had Very mentioned much. that to another client. So, well, that can be expensive. Well, Tara, just like you said a moment ago, hey, it's even more expensive <laughs> to, to lose a, an employee, right? And to try to find somebody else. So, yeah, I mean, when you run the numbers, because I used to do those kinds of numbers when I was an mm -hmm. analyst. Um, oh, my gosh, the churn and, and what it costs you. And like 30 years ago, um, it was costing like six, seven thousand dollars a month like or wow. you know per hire like to mm -hmm. lose somebody it was expensive not to mention the intellectual property run, run you know walking out the door and um mm -hmm. just the wear and tear in the organization which you know people just don't have the time to invest uh in the non you know income producing parts of the company to mm -hmm. go look for people interview people i mean it takes so much time mm -hmm. and has time right now we all got to do it now 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 <laughs> all right so um one more question around this um what are what are some attractive things uh, besides like these incentives that you that might be attractive to people coming into companies now i know in the past they'd have like you know ping pong games and this and that you know back in the day uh tents you could sleep in on your lunch hour and stuff like that but what are people doing today to make that culture inside the company attractive um besides giving things like gym uh, memberships and things like that what have you seen well, I think one of the best places to start with that approach is to do a survey. Ask your people one-on-one, -on -one, what is it you like about working here? What are some of the perks you appreciate? Because just because you think a person might want some movie passes doesn't mean they want movie passes or they want a particular uh, perk of some kind. But do us get, we're all about communication here. Ask the people that work for you, what are the things that you would enjoy that would make you excited about working here maybe it's bringing your dog to work with you or i don't know but you ask these people and let them tell you and then do what's possible uh, gather up the suggestions and and create that kind of a culture where people are creating the culture they want you see remember people don't argue with their own data if you ask people what they want they'll tell you and that's what we want don't guess i tell my clients don't guess what your employees want ask them all right. Yeah. Very, very good advice. Um, so now we're going to wrap that area up, uh, attracting and retaining quality employees. And we're going to move on to the next one, which is um, positive attitude at work. How can we instill that in um, our employees um, and our new hires who are coming on board um, when we're living in kind of a negative world at times? Mm -hmm. So the first question um, is I want how would you recommend companies support individuals uh, especially in today's like volatile uncertain world mm -hmm. well, well first, first things thing first, first I think we need to go back and look at what are we providing for them as resources I often tell my clients where's your library 
In other words, you have a company library of resources that your people can access. Maybe it's downloads of audio uh, programs they can listen to on the way back and forth to work or at home. Uh, do they have books in that library that people could access? Things about uh, how to handle stress, how to do certain things that will allow them to be on a growth curve, constantly learning, developing new tools. And we should not stop learning once we start working with the organization, we should look at that as just the beginning and get on this track of being able to acquire new knowledge, new skill sets, and that all rolls in a person's career path or career ladder in that organization. But the key is to provide resources, additional resources that they can have access to. That's the first place I would look. Secondly, I, there's a lot of stress out there. We know that today. When was the last time we did a stress quotient assessment on each one of our employees? Find out where they're hurting, where they are having uh, inordinate amount of stress in their lives. Once we do that inventory, then we can start helping them find the right resources that'll help them manage that. Maybe it's bringing in an outsider to do stress management program. Maybe it's, maybe in some cases, Tara, maybe we need to refer that person over to some, some counseling, some additional counseling. Uh, that the company can provide through an outside re resource. Uh, there's a lot of stress at home, right? With family problems, issues, uh, maybe there's health problems or health issues that that person's dealing with, or maybe it's a, an elderly parent that they're caring for or worried about. So these are things that we need to be aware of and then provide some type of resources for them to have access to that will allow them to stay on, on, on a, a positive curve. It's been said, I think it was Les Brown that said this once, you don't ask for help because you're weak. You ask for help because you want to remain strong. So if we can provide those resources for people to keep them strong, that's the approach I would, I'd recommend. Yeah. I like what you said about, um, uh, focus, put the focus on the strength rather than weaknesses and shoring up weaknesses. Also, um, I like that. So they have a stress quotient assessment that you can mm -hmm. use in the company? Sure. That's what I use with my clients. Mm -hmm. Wow. Okay. That's So does it break it out into like the different parts of your life, like kind of like the life wheel? Is it kind of focused on that? And then with... What it does is it zeroes in on what, what are, first I'll find out what the stress levels are, and then it zeroes into certain areas where it's coming from. And then we recommend, the, the assessment also will recommend certain things that person can do to uh, compensate or to uh, deal with that stress, to neutralize oh, I it. Like yeah. mm -hmm. I like that. I like that. Also, I'd like to ask you a little question about um, employee assistance programs, EAPs. Um, I assume now they're probably even more accessible than they used to be, in the, especially in the past three years. Um, are you finding that your clients are accessing those kinds of resources, even the smaller clients? Are they buying into like uh, programs where they can uh, refer out to uh, remote EAPs? I have not seen that as much as it should be out there, frankly. Uh, there are some companies that have, have that service available, but I don't think it's being used as it should should be used, but for the most part, I don't see it being used to the extent it can be. Yeah, because I, I remember, you know, at working for large organizations, we always had a resource like that. And mm -hmm. I'll tell you, if, if the smaller companies are not uh, using that, I mean, there's a big opportunity there for companies in that space to mm -hmm. get that to the smaller companies on subscription plans that 
you know, conserve their population. So I agree with you. I think a lot of smaller companies might look at that as an expense they don't want to take on at this time. But at the same time, it's certainly something that would be a, a wise investment just because if that employee is as important as they say he or she is, well, retaining that person and making sure the person is able to be productive and, and healthy, I think that would be a, a wise investment. What are you seeing, especially in the smaller businesses that you're dealing with? Watch you, you deal small to medium size and large businesses, but what are you seeing um, with the kinds of things that they're doing internally? Because I'm sure they're seeing seeing stress on their stress within their populations, and um, I it's great that they have this inventory that they can run their folks through. But what other kinds of things are you seeing these companies do that can support their that are supporting their employees? Well, I think one of the main things, the good ones, are communicating and doing uh, internal focus groups, finding out what's what they can do better, what are some of the things they're doing right, like I mentioned earlier. So they're, they're staying on top of it. They're communicating. Now, I, I am seeing other companies that are doing just the opposite. They're burying their head. Uh, they are talking about bringing people back. They're, they're getting a lot of uh, resistance from people that don't want to come back and work out of the office. They, they're happy working from home. Uh, and that... That's not going away right now. There are a lot of companies that have a lot of vested interest in bringing people back to their, their, uh, to their office. And uh, the ones that are resisting that, uh, the, the companies that are resisting the fact that their employees want and like to work from home, I think they're going to have some more problems. If they don't address that quick, they're going to have some increased uh, turnover. And I'm seeing that right now. I'm seeing it right now. Some of these companies out there, they're just not getting it. And, uh, you know, there's consequences that are going to be uh, part of that, that uh, choice of the way they looked at, like to look at that situation. Yeah, and I want to just spend the last two minutes of our, our, of our time continuing to focus on that area since that was my, mm-hmm. my last question. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious about, like, you know, these when you have an employee who's a really good employee and they want to work from home and they are not in anything that's disruptive to the team, um, and they're doing a good job, I really honestly do not understand why they can't allow that person to con- continue working at home. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beyond me. I don't, I don't get it, but what do you think might be operating behind that? Um, what well, do you think might be going on? they're afraid. They're afraid that these people are not going to be accountable, that they're not going to do the work they're supposed to be doing. Even though uh, they've been doing it for several years? I mean, yeah. they I know, I know. It's just this. It's it's a fear. It's a fear factor. And at the same time, I got one uh, client right now who just left her company mm-hmm. because of that. She, uh, a financial person, has many, many people reporting to her, and she saw her people leaving because they did not want to come back to the office. And she finally got to the point where she wasn't going to take it anymore. Either. And she wasn't about to change the company's uh, philosophy. They have over three hundred people right here in Michigan, and they require them to come to the office or they're trying to get them to come to the office and well here's my point fear that's the that's the main concern they're fear they're gonna uh they're gonna lose out the people aren't gonna do their job properly and also i think it's ego it's hey it's i'm the boss you know mm-hmm. we work by the golden rule those people who have the gold rules that's how <laughs> they look at it and uh it's it you can't do that you can't win that tug of war uh you got to look at the the facts people like working from home it costs less to drive back and forth to work less stress for sure mm-hmm. and they have more time for heaven's sakes and we're finding people are putting in unfortunately more time on the job because they're working from home so 
the companies that are getting that, they are moving ahead. And I see that to be the, the case for many companies that are, are moving forward with this whole concept. They're letting their people work from home, creating policies around the whole thing. So they're accepting, they're embracing that reality. The ones that don't, I, I just don't see a, a positive outcome for them if they continue down that road. The thing is, is the 